he said do you even understand what you're talking about you know you're trying to build hyperloop in india and i mean that's that's too tough for an indian university to pull off so i actually took that as a challenge i said okay i won't talk to you for next 6 months so <laughs> let me build a team and come back <laughs> with the only debutant team then mm. and uh, <laughs> i had to tell uh, our nut bolts and everything were you know they were in a idli batter packet <laughs> okay you know if you know this there is a lab called center for innovation in that lab no professor is allowed <laughs> to come inside <laughs> so there are only students right and <laughs> and students are allowed to burn capacitors resistors batteries you know like break all the systems whatever they want to do you know i am one of the you know one of the rare space founders you know who uh, who is someone who never wanted to become an astronaut i never uh, building a team in a very certain way for example we have a bunch of advisors who are ex isro ex trdo and we have a very fairly young team uh, who have maybe written a research paper on the technologies that they're building so we take one advisor and we take one a team younger team and we put them together to make things work suyash is an innovator engineer and entrepreneur building the world's first multi sensor imaging satellite at galaxy backed by google and incubated at suyash's alma mater iit madras galaxy is all set to launch their first satellite next year Join us as Suyash talks about meeting Elon Musk being the only Asian finalist at Hyperloop and Galaxy's future. Suyash welcome to the AJVC podcast. Thank you so much for having here having me here Avinash Mazan. So yeah so we'll start with a rapid fire Mazan and I will alternate. Uh, first one is if you could be a professional in any other field unrelated to your current work what would it be? Uh Formula 1 driver. Okay. Most- Yeah. That's that's what it is. And I think I have been following Formula 1 for 10 years and then you know when I got into real core engineering I left it because mm-hmm. I fall in love with the electric vehicles more than the petrol vehicles but then that was my first love. Amazing. The hyperloop somewhere is there in you too still. Yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> nice. Exactly. Pretty far. And what's on your bucket list? Yeah, I think more uh, you know i i was in pune for like 3 to 4 years i did a lot of road trips right now you know been like 4 years or that i'm not going to a very long road trip mm-hmm. i want to go on a drive for let's say 500 to 800 kilometers i used to re- enjoy a rainy season in pune a lot in those mm-hmm. days but i've not done that for a while i want to do that whenever i get a chance amazing still you see the hyperloop formula one they all driving is <laughs> good <laughs> um one question you would ask yourself if you were the host of this podcast uh i mean there's a lot <laughs> which one would you pick we are, we are being lazy with our uh, questions that's 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 our we are getting questions to ask true true no i think uh, i'll probably ask uh, you know how uh, why why space if you never wanted to be in space Mm. you know i i am a very mobility kind of guy initially yeah. on the road on mm. the road mm. <laughs> now i'm trying to go to space so 
That's that's probably one of the questions. Uh, bootstrap versus funded, and maybe not for for your industry, but in general for entrepreneurs and uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, it depends on the kind of uh, product, the kind of problem that you're solving. But uh, you know, if if you talk of, talk about deep tech in general, I won't choose either. I would probably choose. I will. I will probably choose where you get a grant for something to build a prototype, and then you know. uh just go with the customer so i mean as long as you cannot uh as long as you can live without being funded that's that's fine how would you describe your company culture with three phrases um ambitious uh okay i would say daring you know it's pretty much and uh, uh casual like not super professional yeah okay Okay. And uh, what's one f- one truth that few people agree with you on? People agree or people don't agree. One truth that few people agree with you. So oh, everybody okay. disagrees or most people disagree. Yeah, I think uh, you can still be an intellectual without reading a lot of lot of books. Okay. <laughs> that, that's a good one. It's I have never heard that before actually. And why do you say yeah. so? Like just I think, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of knowledge sharing that happens can also happen while you're networking. Hmm. Can also happen, you know, uh, listening to podcast. So books is pretty much, uh, you know, one of the ways to to do that, right? So it's not just the books. So you know, like we've grown up listening to that phrase a lot right you know read books read books <laughs> and of course i've been reading a lot of books but i would say it is not just the only way hmm. to get new ideas or you know get going but it is certainly a very important tool uh, but it is not just the way i think it has to be a mix of different things understand got it yeah. so like the physical world and interactions beyond that makes sense i don't disagree actually um a lot of people think just being in books you have so many books here is a little ironical uh, but uh, so many books uh, is what we need uh, to to understand life but i think at least yeah. for me like why books are so uh, useful is they help you get a very abstracted out perspective of somebody you don't know um i think it's like having a conversation with someone you've never met and will never meet um and them distilling their perhaps life's learnings in some cases in a very short format that's why it's it's good I think it's very information dense uh in that way but awesome uh, would would love to learn more about your background and you know life before galaxy um like you said you worked as an analyst at TCS um under the Tata brand umbrella Yeah. what did you learn about the culture what are your takeaways have you tried to you know implement some of it in your own company no yeah i think that was a very important phase of uh, my career so far or you know overall overall journey i would say you know in 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 general the life journey uh, you know i come from a very uh, small town and then you know moving to my first job Uh, which was a typical you know it job which i started off with but then you know there was a hunger within to kind of find an opportunity even wherever i was hmm. 
So I navigated myself from a typical IT project to a research lab inside the Tata umbrella itself. So I, I was pushing hard to get into, you know, uh, the, the project where people are working on some futuristic, uh, ideas or, or, you know, any technologies whatsoever. So, you know, I think I've also seen, uh, the first two years of AI and machine learning, right? Like okay. when I say first two years, 13 and 14, when it was just at a tipping point, you know, when, when Google and Microsoft really uh, launched some of the competitions where they gave hundreds of thousands of images for people to right. train and stuff. So before that, a couple of years, I've actually seen the first artificial neural network, which goes in an automobile, you know, not even anywhere else. So, so I, I mean, first of all, I was not satisfied as much as a daily routine of what it used to be. Right. But always tried to, you know, go into a niche project to try something more ambitious. And I navigated myself very clearly by, you know, uh, frustrating my seniors, mm-hmm. frustrating my managers, and, you know, like breaking that routine for them, you know, discussing hard things with them. And, uh, you know, telling about their project that it's not the right project, you know, you are also not leading a good life, something like that, you know, so I used to do all of those things. And then finally, you got myself into a nice, uh, you know, nice crowd, you know, where we used to work on very ambitious tech and stuff. So for sure, you know, I think I've seen the magnanimity of the larger Tata group, you know, I've, I've seen the culture of how leadership decides something it rolls over to the even to the bottom of the layer right you know set apart the monotonicity of a bigger corporate but you know the the way they uh, it percolates from top to bottom is an amazing thing to watch right like give a value in the organization even if it is a policy change or anything it's just so smooth from top to bottom it may take some time but it is very nicely implemented i understand so i that level of organization working in you know very nice ways and that is why i think they were clocking good quarter and quarter numbers for last four or five years correct so on and so forth so so that is something that i really really loved about what they did and i i used to think because that was my first job i used to think okay every company is like this mm. company right and nothing nothing is like something else and when i when i started our own company like you know it was in a small room right <laughs> of a nice large office which was had i think pune has like Massive. big office correct correct so yeah that was a pretty much big change but i learned a lot i still have very good relationship with my mentors there amazing my my needs uh we still communicate we chat all the time what can we do together or even in general life advices so pretty good pretty good experience there uh but in a way or other, I was not able to catch on some of the basic things that, you know, will lead me to a good life. Hmm. Example, you know, I, I was generally very ambitious and I, I got to understand at that point that the fundamental of deep learning or AI or big data or whatever, the mathematical foundation was something that was missing for me, hmm. which I didn't knew. Right. So then I chose to do my master's. Okay. After that. Okay. 
I mean, I was doing well, you know, I was in a right project to do things well, but I found that, you know, maybe taking a leap of growth from here cannot happen hmm. just on the same level of skill sets. Understand. And, uh, you know, this is a good segue into your startup, but it's going back a little bit in time. Uh, you founded the Hyperloop team in college. And you went on to meet Elon at the finals at SpaceX. Um, what was your experience like? Um, and what did you learn from that competition that you could translate into starting a deep tech company? What I learned at my with my experiences at Tata was, uh, was one thing, right? But what Hyperloop gave me was completely different right like, mm. I, I think they were poles apart founding hyperloop is is actually the turning point in my journey so far right um because as you rightly said the deep tech entire deep tech flavor only came because of hyperloop you know because when i uh, entered the institute for my masters uh, my own whole aim was to you know, learn the best of the courses that will lead me mm. to a nice machine learning or a deep learning job mm. at, you know, at one of the Fang companies in general. And uh, that was the whole aim of that. But, you know, when I entered the Institute, I was bitten by this bug called Hyperloop. Mm. I, I, I used to talk to one of my uh, friends uh, who was in the New York University in, in the in the US and uh, I, I was generally talking to him about you know what's happening in here and there he told me something very interesting that he was a part of team Hyperloop in their university and they were participating and they were going in the summer to SpaceX for the competition and stuff I said hey very interesting you know do you know any any other Indian team mm. who, who does that so he said no yeah there's one more but they have not been very super successful in doing things. So I said, okay, let me try this out. And he literally challenged me. You're trying to build Hyperloop in India. And I mean, that's, that's too tough for an Indian university to pull off. So I actually took that as a challenge. I said, okay, I won't talk to you for next six months. So <laughs> let me build a team and come back. <laughs> so, I mean, whatever I said was easy. After that, everything was super tough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I came from an automotive background. India is one of the biggest automobile, uh, you know, uh, supply chain. Uh, you know, as a country, we have been doing really nice there. Right. Even if you go to a company and ask for a sponsorship to fund Hyperloop, they'll say, first of all, what is Hyperloop in those days, at least right. in 2017? <laughs> and then, you know, how does it relate to our marketing goals? How does it relate to whatever? So, so funding was not at all there. And right. the kind of funding that you needed for Hyperloop was 10 times than a general tech team in an institute, you know, either a formula team or any other team whatsoever. So, yeah, it was a kind of challenge, not just from a funding perspective, but 70% of our component has to come from abroad, hmm. right? Then finding a team in IIT, which cannot risk their resume pointers hmm. where people cannot risk their resume pointers <laughs> because for them, it's super important that their resumes are built in a certain pattern. 
right? So, so I think building a team, <clears throat> procuring material, procuring components from abroad, procuring, um, uh, sorry, getting that sponsorships and funds, uh, it was quite a challenge. And interestingly, 2017, when we started, we failed that year. Mm-hmm. We super ambitious as a design. Like the design that we made, probably even Elon has not thought about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of design that we have made. Like, it's like ultra capacitors with the most uh, efficient linear induction motor with titanium chassis and all, all that. So it was, I think it is 50 years ahead of today that that design to come true to life. So we failed in 2017, but we came back very strong in 2018, built the entire team again, ground up, uh, procured components in three months, arranged around 80 lakhs of funds in three months again, the same three months after getting, getting selected for SpaceX. And uh, then we had to ship the pod through air. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, go there physically as a team, configure the entire pod inside SpaceX and run it in a vacuum tube. Everything three months. Crazy task. So, and on top of that, that was an year when there was drought in Chennai. There was no water. There was no water. We were literally kicked out of our hostels. They're like, okay, go out and live in PGs or whatever. Come to the institute only for the time I want to do something on the pod and then go back. It's quite an interesting journey. And then when we went to SpaceX, we're the only debutant team there. Mm. And uh, (laughs) if I have to tell, uh, our nut bolts and everything were, you know, they were in an idli batter packet. (laughs) Okay. And when we unpacked our pod inside SpaceX, we were taking out all the Italy batter packets and like putting it on the ground. And the team just, you know, who was just beside us, they were assembling the pod. They had very nice and, you know, uh, <laughs> jackets and everything that they used to wear and goggles before, un, you know, unbolting a particular thing and other things. Right? So that was unparalleled, you know, the kind of frugalness that we had was, people were just thinking. And... Some of the people had Indian members mm. and they came and saw this, like they were laughing <laughs> with us. And we were also laughing. They were also laughing on the idli batter <laughs> packets. <and stuff. laughs> How is it meeting Elon? What was the experience like? Oh, it was amazing. So first of all, I, I would say uh, meeting with the SpaceX employees was also very nice. You know, like and we spent around 10 days with them. Almost right, and that was a that was an amazing experience with Elon. We met for I think 20 25 minutes overall, right? But I mean, of course, at that time, any uh, any person of that cadre will speak the same language, right? So, of course, there were a couple of learnings that he gave which is unparalleled, unthinkable of. But in general, you know, working with SpaceX employees was an amazing experience when we met Elon some generic questions, right? When would Tesla come to India? How do you think about the Asian team? What what are your views here and there? And he talked in a nice fashion. But I would say more than that, I mean, we will appreciate the time that we spend with the SpaceX employees. And, you know, I I have to ask, 
there have been so many deep deep tech startups from IIT Madras specifically. You know, we've had a few of them on this podcast, Avni Pool and Eplane. What do you think makes it such a special institute? What is what is their secret sauce? Any thoughts on that? Um, I think uh, it's the it's the culture. You know, in general, you know, if, if I had to put it in one word. But there are things, you know, which are very unique about that campus, right? For example, <clears throat> you know, people are more driven by uh, hands-on projects, uh, generally, you know, so they, they like to do things. Uh, they, they like to do to, to destructive things as well, not just constructive things, right? So we, we, we used to... Uh, I mean, there's a lab, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lab called Center for Innovation. In that lab, no professor is allowed <laughs> to come inside. <laughs> so there are only students, right? And, <laughs> and students are allowed to burn capacitors, resistors, batteries, you know, like break all the systems, whatever they want to do. So I think that lab is independent of any research outcomes that lab is independent for of anything else so people come with any idea and then they start working on it they are given resources they're given tools to work they're given the space to work on that so you know that independence probably is one of the key things why you know we are a little ahead in the hardware or deep tech innovation in general right and there are servers there are anything and everything which is there it's available there so I, I would say center for innovation being one of the primary things which has driven a lot of innovation. If I'm not wrong, Aether came out of there. Detect came out of there. Uh, hi, uh, we came out of there. And there's a long list. Solinas came out of there. It's a long, long list. <laughs> It, it's 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 not a coincidence. I'll just say that <laughs> you oh, don't no. have so many oh, companies no. coming out of uh, <laughs> yeah. Planis, which is also an underwater robotics, is also comes from yeah. No, amazing. And so now coming back to your journey, right? You went through this hyperloop experience, and and did you know right away that hey, I want to build something in space? This is <laughs> this is what I'm passionate about. Um, how, how did you kind of land on on? Yeah. So I remember, you know, like. <clears throat> Agnikul started around 2017 in in the NCCRD lab, and uh, we started Hyperloop in 2017 in the same lab. So you know, I I was never ever excited about you know building in space or building for space. So that was not the thing that I wanted to do ever. You know, I am one of the you know one of the rare space founders. You know who uh, who is someone who never wanted to become an astronaut. I never wanted to. <laughs> so, so this happened to me. This is not something that I wanted to be in space or something like that. One of my co-founders want to be, but I never wanted to. So in 2019, when we graduate, <clears throat> we graduated, right? We all kind of went apart. We went to our own corporates to, to work. Uh, one of my co-founders went to a very large corporates, uh, chairman's office. I went to another in that way. And... Uh, while you know then the COVID struck in 2020 early 2020 and i think while working there uh slowly and gradually i was given a problem statement 
to work on, right? And that was more towards uh, computer vision and that side only. So I was given a problem statement to, you know, analyze forest fires in California. So I said, okay, great. Now this is an interesting problem to solve for. How are the trends and how are the fires actually progressing in, uh, you know, to track that. So my natural inclination was to go to satellite imaging, pick a couple of them and then analyze and see the patterns. So I procured a bunch of satellite imageries through some open sourced methods and also through some proprietary, you know, uh, channels. And what I found was it was all smoky in the areas where it was burning. Right. And there was also clouds, you know, so, so okay, I applied any computer vision model. Yeah. It just told me that, okay, there is cloud, there, there is smoke, but it never told me what is the status right now or how the patterns are emerging. So then I thought, okay, you know, there has to be an alternate solution for this. So, you know, went on to figure out another solution, which was radars. Uh, essentially, it's called synthetic aperture radar imagery. Now, synthetic aperture radar imagery is something which is like X-ray image, you know, that penetrates the human body, like X-rays penetrate the human body and tells you, you know, where is the bone fracture? Uh, similarly, synthetic aperture radars penetrate clouds and smokes and give you an image beyond that. So that was an interesting. But the way X-rays can only be read, read by doctors, synthetic aperture can only be read by PhDs in satellite imagery and whatnot. <laughs> so on one hand, I had an amazing imagery, which is the optical satellite imagery. You know, which I can read, apply vision models on top of it, you know, but it was not available because of clouds and fires. On the other hand, I had synthetic aperture radar, which was available, right, but not understandable. So I thought, okay, you know, let me merge these two together and see what's happening. We merged it and the patterns emerged out very nicely, you know, and we applied some data fusion models on top of it and said, okay, this is interesting. So the moment I found that, you know, I called my Avengers from Hyperloop team and said, Hey, you know, there's a gap in the satellite imagery world. <laughs> let's build this. Let's build Galaxy. That's how it started. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. quite the story. So, <laughs> so, I mean, you already had the playbook, right? You knew how to go out and, and fundraise to an extent. So walk us through the next steps. You got the team together and what did you do? So, yeah, I think I called the Hyperloop team, you know, because I had a very comfortable journey with them uh, working on things, you know, we all like to push boundaries, uh, you know, get things executed, get things done on time. So we had a pedigree already by doing Hyperloop. So we thought, okay, you know, this will be a good team to start off. So we were in COVID still there that time. So. We used to work on a little bit of market research, understanding where satellite imagery will be applied, you know, who will use it, who will not use it, and would edge computing really make sense on satellites? And all sorts of, you know, like all brainstorming sessions started off uh, for the first six months. And then finally, we got conviction that data fusion on satellites makes a lot of sense for multiple use cases. So in late 2020, we all decided 
to kind of you know come out of our covid bubbles and come to a place to live together you know and uh, we all came to chennai and rented a flat we all you know came together so we were five of us uh, came together in chennai lived in one flat and we we chose a flat you know a place to live where there was a huge hall you know like unfurnished hall so that will make that as a lab for ourselves and you know utilize that to do some experimentation and what not so even if you burn electronics you know we will be probably safe around that so we wanted to make sure that that same environment is there shifted ourselves to chennai in january 2021 and uh, then you know started collecting some money through our pockets as well and also some of the small grants here and there and uh, we procured a lot of material uh, to build the first iteration of the electronics that we wanted to build right. so building a satellite is a, is a is a huge task but we thought you know let's prove what we are bringing on the table which is data fusion on a hardware level through sar and multispectral together so that is what we wanted to do first on a very small level for example drones can i fly things on a drone and then airplane and then go to space that's the indian way of building a satellite right that's not if you are in the us will probably build the entire satellite send it to space and then the debris happens and then you come back and build another satellite right but we started thought to build in like steps so we started procuring materials we had procurement experience from abroad through hyperloop so it was a smooth way you know we were not bumping into customs every now and then and other things so we we just like made our way to uh, bring together something so first experiment was something that we did was not with drones actually it was just on a ropeway you know so there were like two two wooden sticks bamboos on two ends of the uh, you know road and there was a wire so we made a platform to travel from one point to another just like satellite would orbit and and then you know, see through some of the object so there was a small object that we used to detect and say so it was i won't say even a proof of concept but a very you know first idea validation that okay this works and we have the capability to do this so in and around that time you know we got some interest from the investors as well like you know in the early days uh through a hyperloop times also we, we were speaking to a few uh, but we never thought we'll build a startup or a company you know but now it was the right time to go and talk to investors so we caught hold of uh, special invest right and we like them over others you know in general and uh, they wrote the first check in 2021 uh, but you know because we were five of us from hyperloop we were very reluctant to hire for first few 3 to 5 months right because that would have polluted the culture the way we work you know the way we we put in sleepless nights and we don't really care about the food and other things the first few months we were pretty reluctant on hiring someone <laughs> and when you know after 3 to 4 months we started finding people who are like us so we, we had a very you know huge barrier entry to to come and join galaxy in general so that's how you know we reached the stage we got funded after the uh, ropeway experiment and then we started building for an aerial platform you know which is drones and aircraft 
and then finally you know like moving ahead from there we did a successful drone and aircraft experiment last year uh, and this year as well so the technology is pretty much proven for aerial condition air condition aerial conditions and probably we are the only space company uh, in india and world you know who has proven a payload in on a drone level and an aerial level before sending it to space gives us a lot of uh, you know validation in terms of technology as well as reaching out to customers because as a deep tech company you know it's so difficult to sell them before you really have a product in place but this gives us a headroom to show them at least at some level that this is going to be an outcome in future you were talking about drones um yeah. and getting that tech working with you guys uh, you've partnered with idea forge recently which is a listed company we've written about it as well um what's the synergy with such a collaboration how does it work how does it help yeah so you know we never thought we'll be able to sell anything on a drone level very honestly like you know we always thought that okay it will be satellite only but uh, when we demonstrated it on a drone you know i used to talk to uh, idea forge team for long you know and they they great great friends and you know, of course they built one of the greatest companies so a lot of mentorship pipeline you know which is always there so um, so i think today we are at a stage where we can put our payload like the way on their drones like the way they put cameras on their drones today so you know you can remove the camera you can put the payload that we are building and you can do imaging from them right one of the key use cases is it it is very difficult to do nighttime imaging and nighttime surveillance for security that's where you actually take our payload and do the same thing for nighttime surveillance so that's where the synergies are striking very well with them and uh, you know more than anything i think they have been involved in our journey for for a while that we have been speaking all the time so we have evangelized your brainstormed multiple times you know how to how to position this product so it is not just like you know it's a push towards them it's also a pull from them to look at this particular payload and so you were talking about selling um, to different kinds of companies how difficult is it to sell to regulators insurance firms um, on a product like this which is pretty novel what is the pitch um, how do you tailor it curious to learn about that i think it's a dual uh, use technology right it's a, it's a defense and intelligence use technology as well as as well as for the commercial purpose uh, generally right you know we've seen commercial selling is actually uh, in terms of pitching the product commercial selling is little more difficult than the defense selling because right. they understand the product a little more than the commercial players in general um pitching to the insurance people is way tougher uh, because you know they have been mm-hmm. used some products for a while they've been they've been they made policies they've written policies according to what they have learned or according to what they've thought earlier in the journeys changing that 
right according to a new technologies or for a new technology can be tremendously difficult for them also so they are one of the slowest movers in the commercial space i would say and they probably will be like that for next 10 15 20 years but with the advent which is happening in the insurtech now slowly and gradually uh, i think we are rightly positioned at this point of time to talk to them so that when the technology is ready you know in the next 3 to 4 years you really you know go and implement those solutions with them so all the more i guess security security still becomes one of the key markets for most of the space tech companies uh, at the same time commercial is just opening up and it's opening up faster than ever so there's also a lot of scope there hmm. agri or insurance or oil and gas mining and so on and so forth right now what we need to do is build more downstream companies so that people can take data and build an analytics tool on top of it like a saas model right yeah and uh, you know i think there's a good segue into the next question i had which is your business is a mix of hardware and software how do you build that in the org which very different skills actually you know unlike rockets uh, you know which is purely hardware uh, electronics mm. is always a mix of hardware and software right you know you'll have to dump the and code software, correct yeah so somewhere or the other you know people uh, who have relevant skill sets in the in the radar technology or you know people who have relevant skill set in the image processing and computer vision you know these people have enough i would say overlaps of all the technologies mm-hmm. which are there so i mean i won't say it's too tough i mean it is tough to find talent right but it is not way tougher for us to you know do the handshake between the hardware and software here because it's a natural thing you know mm-hmm. the electronics will always need a software so there's always a thought process right. in the team you know to think about that architecture layer of what software needs to go inside you know and then further downstream i mean that's pretty different but where we stand as a midstream company in the space tech ecosystem you know electronics that raw data to processing the images it is fairly overlapping hmm you yeah. understand and uh, getting this kind of talent in india may be hard how do you do that oh it's super hard <laughs> so uh-huh. <laughs> i mean i i am i generally had a lot of conversations even with professor satya at times and i i always told right. him like you know, rocket science is easy but rocket <laughs> <laughs> rocket engineering is tough rocket science hard. is easy Uh, so you know right. what you need is a skilled labor generally you know who can put together a bunch of pneumatics a bunch of engines together you know uh, and if i have automotive engineers right. i can do it so rocket engineering is very hard rocket science is easy rocket science is something right. that you can do it with the first nine chapters of your 11th class physics right like gravitational forces to mm-hmm. newton's third law and all of those things rocket science is done engineering is way tougher you know if you have to put three levels of difficulty mm-hmm. the simplest is rocket science the toughest is rocket engineering but satellite science right 
and satellite engineering are are equally tough it's moderately tough so satellite science and right. rocket science is very diff- different right so so right. satellite sciences are actually driven by the very you know advanced mathematical models and stuff so that foundational foundation right. of advanced mathematical tools is difficult to be found in india right we we find uh, we find data scientists we find product managers uh, who tend to think that they know what we are asking for but it is not so that was just to tell you how difficult is the terrain to be in that makes sense that makes yeah. sense that makes sense how we solve this problem is by you know making a team which is uh, building a team in a very certain way for example we have a bunch of advisors who are ex isro ex trio and who have been at very nice places in the corporates and even in the in the us like google and stuff and we have a very fairly young team uh you know who have maybe written a research paper on the technologies that we're building or maybe you know they have some connect with that particular problem statement so we take one advisor and we take one a uh, team younger team and we put them together to make things work understand and so you have you know your first satellite launch upcoming what are your priorities now as a founder uh what's the focus and what's the next big step for you guys yeah so i think uh we are uh, from a design standpoint we are little ahead in the journey in building the satellite manufacturing assembly and testing will start to happen very soon uh manufacturing is underway but the other things are all will also happen uh, in the in the coming year uh fingers crossed <laughs> the launch should not delay but may get delayed by a uh, you know couple of months or three months as well uh, depending upon these situations but in general you know we are pretty much on track right now as a priority you know i think we have a way in you know very competent team to drive the satellite uh manufacturing and assembly i will still be focusing more on the customer side I'll keep i mean that is what is uh, on our minds you know we we want to really make people aware about the technology we want to make people you know use this product and uh, we have to find those areas you know where probably we have not done the b business development even today right because we don't spend a lot of money in marketing for us it's not customer acquisition cost for us it's not like the conversion rates right for us it's a very different way to run the business so so you know we want to build those playbooks from here on so that whenever the satellite goes up we are in business understand no awesome and uh, you know just before we close what's your sense of the indian space tech ecosystem over the next decade how do you think things will play out any insights from being an insider no i think it's a uh, it's it's pretty positive uh, there's a lot of scope for maybe another 50 to 100 odd companies to start off and uh, you know uh, do well or even the newer companies who have just come 
relatively newer companies have just started also grow to a certain extent. Right. The largest scope that I feel is on the downstream, you know, where there are probably n number of use cases and we'll have to build a SaaS product on top of it, you know, utilizing the capabilities of satellites that go up, uh, utilizing the capabilities of ground stations that are going to set up and, uh, you know, making that little more closer, going closer to the customers, hmm. you know, who, who are going to use this. So downstream capability or downstream problem statements, products is something that I anticipate is going to be uh, more and more. We'll see more of them than the upstream, right? Upstream definitely there'll be a few more, uh, there'll be a few more areas where we still have to innovate like optical communication. Uh, we are not yet there. Uh, you know, we will still innovate on <clears throat> maybe space situational awareness uh, or something like that, right? Remote sensing also, you know, will keep innovating, but I think it's more important for us to build more downstream companies who can utilize the data and solve for a particular use case. Maybe let's say in oil and gas or linear assets monitoring, such as transmission lines and whatnot. So that's one trend. And secondly, I, I see a lot of talent, you know, getting built up. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the pace startups, which are already there, uh, a right. lot of people will leave, maybe start their own companies because then they will have a playbook to, you know, how to run and how to start and how to uh, build a team around space tech. They will know that already. Right. I understand. Yeah. So one is downstream as a trend. I see a very, very positive trend there. And second, there will be no dearth of talent for sure. I understand. And just to close out why we call this Founders Unfiltered, what's one piece of unfiltered feedback that someone has given you that really impacted you professionally or personally? Like that <laughs> one big piece of advice that you may have got. Um, I think this was a chat with Mr. Elon Musk, you know, back in yeah. 2019. Uh, I, I still feel uh, it was a mainstream setup to talk to him. You know, I would probably meet him personally sometime and discuss more when I get the opportunity. But still, you know, one of the things that he talked was uh, still here. He said, like, you know, we were talking about our team's progress. We talked about how we built this team, how we are here at SpaceX and whatnot. Right. And one of the key, key questions that I asked him, like, you know, how do you continue your projects or how do you really build such, you know, key innovations and how do you execute them to really make it happen? You know, bringing rockets right. down, building a Tesla and whatnot. And that time he was also building something called the boring company. Right. right. So these things were simply amazing. So he, he told me that, you know, what we should do is build things, uh, simulate things for, for a, threshold of the time, you know, for a Delta time, hmm. if it is not happening, stop Th then and there stop. Hmm. Don't keep building it. Hmm. And, and he did a very nice, uh, uh, you know, example of a mathematical equation. He said, you know, if you take a, if you take, you know, if you plot E power minus X on a graph, right. Right. 
after you know when you're closer to the x axis you never you never come to zero right yep you you come to zero at infinity right but you come closer right. to zero very fast right so do that you know once you're closer to zero then you're done don't right. perfect it or don't over perfect it whenever you want it i think that was one of the most you know greatest advice i would say i've gotten so far that like don't go after an asymptotic validation of what you're doing if you're closer to something just take the risk and go ahead don't keep waiting you know don't ask for validation all the time in life yeah makes sense awesome suyesh thank you so much for the chat really enjoyed it uh, hope our listeners do as well absolutely everyone thank you so much